Welcome to the Renaissance Podcast. Thanks for dropping by, and we hope that this is going to deeply encourage you. The vision of Renaissance is to encounter the Creator, be equipped as creatives, and empower every local church to become a cathedral of creativity. We're going to be bringing you the highlights from Renaissance London 2023. I really hope this blesses you and really enjoy it. Don't forget to connect in on Instagram at renaissance.movement or online renaissancemovement.org. God bless you. Enjoy. Thank you so much for being with us. It it's, makes this time richer by the fact that we are together and we get to learn from each other and we get to make friends and cross-pollinate and Fun, fun things are going to happen in the years ahead. And I hope you've had some amazing conversations the last 24 hours that have stretched you and enlarged your horizons of hope and helped you think about the difference that you can make. And what is the purpose of this? Well, the vision is very, very simple. What we're trying to do with this gathering is to champion the next generation of creative thinkers through local churches so that we would see a renaissance happen in our generation. And what that's looked like is kind of, the heart of it is like three things. The vision, and there should be like a, a little purple thing on your seat, I'll grab one if I can. Um, this thing here, thanks so much Farida. This is like a little bit about renaissance, it's not just an event, we're kind of doing three things. Number one, we're gathering uh, for conferences that are started in the UK and they're going to be starting all over the world. And that's very exciting. We're secondly trying to gather people in local networks because the world doesn't need any more conferences. What it does need is conversations and relationships to happen. So that's a key part of it. And the third thing is we really want to encourage like local churches to become cathedrals of creativity and to train their people to go and make a difference. And I'll say a bit more about that later on this afternoon. But the vision that we've been kind of tasked with and God stirred in us um, is that we were praying and hoping and dreaming and scheming and, and like asking God, could we see in our generation like a million young creatives raised up through churches around the world in the next, I don't know, 20, 30 years, by 2040, let's say. And that doesn't need to be anything to do with Renaissance. The vision is actually that we'd see the church in this generation become a place that births creativity rather than mimicking creativity, if you get what I'm saying. That actually the Creator God would breathe on you in your context, whether you're from Peru or Norwich or Australia or... or all right, calm down, calm down, calm down. I shouldn't have done that. That the overflow of the work of God in your moment would make an impact on the world around you. And so really to say, the vision is that you would kind of fill your suitcase and, and like take this. We want this to be a gift and a blessing to the church. It's not ours to hold on to. We want Renaissance to have like a suitcase with wheels that you can wheel out of here with and take it and run it in your churches. And in fact, later on this afternoon at 2 o'clock, uh, 2.30, sorry, over the road in the hall, uh, myself and Annie, who heads up Renaissance and some of the team, we're going to be there just sharing some of the practical things that every one of us in the room can do because it's going to need all of us. If we're going to see millions of people released through the churches, it ain't just going to be like saint in East London, right? It's just not. Like, could we work out a plan together? And we'll share some of that thinking and some of the kind of methodology behind that at 2.30. So we'd love to encourage every church here, could you send one or two people to that workshop, to that lab, and just like work out how you can be part of this and how you can encourage others and that we can see something happen in our generation. All of that is amazing. And this vision I'm really excited about. 
But I want to be a bit personal this morning and just share um, some of the story, the journey that I've been on in the last year. Uh, I have um, uh, three children. One of them is, is doing an, a kind of art exam at the moment. And one of the things they do with the art exam uh, is when they're doing a, a kind of art exam level in the UK, they will say, well, you know, it's one thing to produce a final piece of work, but we want to see your sketchbook. We want to understand your workings, if you're a mathematician. Put your workings in the margin, you know, like work out how you got there. And so this morning I'm going to be a bit vulnerable. I'm going to share some of the journey that we've been on as a community here and the team behind Renaissance just over the last year. And it's kind of like opening a sketchbook. And I feel a little bit like in two minds as whether to do it or not. But I think we, it, I think we owe it to each other to have conversations where we show our workings, we show our sketchbooks, and we, we share our thinking a little bit. So... While we have this extraordinary vision to see a million creatives trained up through churches around the world, that's what Renaissance is all about. There are moments like last night where I'm like, God seems to be walking in the room when there's like nothing happening on stage, when we've got low and we've got out the way and the presence of God fills the building. And I don't know what's going on. Was anyone like, last night was nuts, right? Like there is nothing, I have planning center on my iPad with like all this meant to be going on the videos of John Paul. So all that stuff is like, great. But something happens when Jesus walks in the room that sort of changes everything. And last night was just like, you know, we were like, we were turning each other and saying, this is going to go all night unless we say, hey guys, you need to go home now. Because Jesus was starting to pour out his presence in a really remarkable way. And that's what we've been praying for for these two days, that this would be a place of consecration, that this would be like a thin place, that these gatherings, that Renaissance conferences wouldn't just be like shiny, impressive, interesting people. You go home thinking, I'm a bit inspired and a little bit discouraged because we could never do that. That's not the idea. The idea is that these would be thin places where the creator of the universe comes and walks in the room and starts to change our hearts. And we've increasingly been seeing this over the last year, that as we go low and we get out the way and we let go of control and agenda and we lay it down and we build an altar with our creativity that doesn't glorify us but focuses on Jesus, what happens is Jesus comes with a flame and sparks our imagination in a way we could never have imagined was going to happen. And to be really honest, sketchbook, workings, it's a little bit inconvenient. <laughs> it's a little bit messy. Um, it's quite hard to sort of explain. And let me go a bit more personal. Uh, you'd have heard Winfield yesterday talk about Asbury and the outpouring. Pete talked about it last night. I had the privilege of being uh, there in February when the, the Holy Spirit just showed up in a little town outside Wilmore, Wilmore outside Lexington, Kentucky, and the presence of God showed up in a little university college campus chapel. And for 16 days and nights, there was an outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the presence of God that we haven't seen in our generation, really. New York Times called it the first great religious revival of the 21st century in the West. And I've read church history I, I love that stuff. And church history is littered with moments when God just peels back the ceiling and fills his people with his presence. And it changes things. 
So I'm there in the Hughes Auditorium nine months ago next to Pete Hughes and we're praying for each other's churches. But one of the things that's happening in me is like I had to do a lot of repenting, like a lot, you know, like a lot of repenting. If I'm really honest, it was, um, it wasn't like it was sin. I mean, it was some sin, but it was like God put his finger on some of the pride and the vanity of even when we try and do things for Jesus in our own strength, when we try and make things, when we try and do what we're called to do, and we make music, or we make buildings, or we make movements, or we make innovation, or you know, you're an entrepreneur, maybe you're a musician or a business person, or you're trying to create or preach or do things, and, and like, it's all good, you're a human being, that's what you're meant to do, but what I found was I sat there in the presence of Jesus, like face to face, nowhere to hide. And just pure love, no condemnation, but this conviction that some of what we had embarked on was vanity. And God is so kind because He doesn't let us get away because He's good. He wants you and I to become more like Jesus so we can reflect His glory. And so I'm there on the carpet at the Hughes Auditorium. And one of the things God puts his finger on is like, just stop trying to impress people. Stop trying to like show off. Stop trying to build things that are going to be like, oh, this is a great blessing for people. (laughs) So I get back on the plane and I come back to the UK and for about a month, I can't talk about this without weeping. Um, literally with my team. Like, I went out for dinner on the, the Saturday night with some friends. They had a birthday party, guys who don't go to church. And they were going around the table and, and this, guy, this girl opposite me goes, hey, how was your week? What were you doing? And I was like, I've just been in America. What were you doing now? Oh, I was just in this place. And I was like, Bleh! literally snotty crying. Like, God is so good. He's alive. He loves us. And he doesn't want us to walk to the left of his will or the right of his will. He wants us to walk in the middle of his will. But for like a month, I was like, I'm not sure that what we're doing with Renaissance is right. In fact, we had this like trustee meeting. We had this amazing group of leaders. Many of them are here tonight and they're kind of sensible grown-up people. And, um, <laughs> and we had this meeting and we were like, this is amazing. We're all going around the table. We were repenting. We were weeping. We we're like getting our lives right with God. We we're sharing. And we're like, what do we do about all the stuff? You know, we've got these plans, this cathedral of creativity. We want every local church in the, you know, around the world to become a cathedral of creativity. We want to encourage a movement and train leaders and all this kind of stuff. And, and we had these gigs going on here. We were talking to like some really famous artists about booking the church and doing shows. And we just felt God like pressed the pause button on everything. And for like a month long period, it was really awkward. You know, we had like, big record companies ringing out and we'd be like, I'm really sorry, we've just closed our bookings. We're not taking any more bookings for the moment. And they're like, seriously, you know, there's been a pandemic and everything's like, you've just launched your church and this building and you want to like host, you said you wanted to host these people and now you're turning away some really big people. We're like, we just feel that God is doing a new thing and we don't want to be disobedient to it. Such an awkward conversation. (laughs) And even my team, I'm like, hey, you know, I, I, I don't know what God's doing. And it was like, we have got like a thousand people booked in to come to Renaissance in the autumn. You know, we should maybe think about that. I was like, I don't know what we're meant to be doing now. 
This time last year, I stood on the stage and I, um, I gave my like, best shot. I was like, here's the vision, guys. Let's train a million creative leaders. Yay. Let's like, all go and run Renaissance. Yay. And here's what we're going to do. Like Eugene Peterson translation of the message of the, the Beatitudes. Jesus says you were to shine to bring out the God colors in the world. Do you know that translation? It's like, yes, every creative has that pin to their notice board. We're here to bring out the God colors in the world. But I was like, how can we bring out the God colors in the world? How can we reflect the glory of Jesus when the mirror of our lives is dusty with compromise. What happens when the veil of vanity creeps in? When ego starts to corrupt and sin starts to distort the mirror and yeah, you're gonna shine like a house of horror if you're not careful. So encounter with God, and it's been the genesis of their creation. World and over generation, over years, gradually and subtly, we start to take that glory that we're reflecting into the world, and it becomes distorted. And people still see something of the image of God because we're all made in the image of God. But we wonder why they never really catch Jesus. So here we are, uh, six months ago, seven months ago, having this identity crisis, like what is it we're going to be doing? We've got brochures and stuff. <laughs> and then the Lord, because he's very kind, led me to another passage in Scripture that I want to share with you this morning. That for me, just in my own sketchbook, my own working out, my own journey has become the recalibration point. You see, I thought it was that we were going to get full of the light of Christ, the glory of God, and we're going to go out into the world and shine and burn and be brilliant. And people are going to come and go, wow, aren't they brilliant, those Christians? They must have an amazing creator. We'll be like, yes, there is an amazing creator. But I'd got it slightly wrong the dust had settled on the mirror and on the lens. And God in his kindness, when I laid it all down and I said, hey, you know what? Maybe it's time to lay it down. Jesus is like, let me show you a better way. And the Lord led me to a passage um, in Mark's gospel that I'm going to share with you. You'll be familiar with it. Um, and I want to read it to us this morning because this is where for me in my last six months, God has met me profoundly and re-envisioned me so much so that I now believe in what we're doing like a hundred times more than I did six months ago. I feel more keen and more urgent and more passionate that we would contend for a great awakening in our generation that looks like a renaissance from the church flowing to the culture in the power of Jesus. And I want to share where I believe God is calling us to go. So if you turn with me to Mark chapter, let me get this right because I'm dyslexic, so I'll say the wrong thing. Mark chapter 9, verse 2. Story of the transfiguration, it's going to come up on the screens. Six days, after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him and led them up a high mountain where they were all alone. And there he was transfigured before them. His clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. 
And there appeared before them Elijah and Moses who were talking with Jesus. And Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. And helpfully, (laughs) the writer adds in, in brackets, just so you know, guys, he didn't know what to say because they were really frightened. <laughs> I love it. Can you imagine that's like in the canon of Scripture for all eternity? It's like, thanks for pointing out my utter fear and trembling. They didn't know what to say because they were really frightened. Then it continues, and a cloud appeared and covered them. And a voice came from the cloud, this is my son whom I love. Listen to him. The father says, my son whom I love. Him, I'm well pleased. Now again, the cloud comes and God broods over Jesus in this moment. It says, this is my son whom I love. Him, I'm well pleased. Listen, listen to him, listen to him. And then they go down the mountain of transfiguration and they get to the bottom. We pick up the story in verse 14. When they came to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and the teachers of the law arguing with them. They go into like a regular church meeting. Maybe it's like your, you know, your, your regular staff meeting or your like Sunday morning debrief. Like there's the, there's the kind of disciples and there's people arguing with them. Maybe you're in a church where you're involved in a, a culture war right now. Or maybe you're in an industry where you are, what you're doing and your calling leads you into conflict. And the religious elites are arguing with the disciples. They're having a stand-up row. Imagine this. Jesus comes down the mountain and walks into a fight going on in the local church. And then it says this, verse 15. And this is what I want to hone in on this morning. As soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder. And they ran to greet him. This is what the Lord has been speaking to me about. If we want to see renaissance in our generation, a revival that births creativity, that would flow from the church to the culture, the urgent thing we need, in fact, the only thing we need, is to encounter the presence of God, to meet with Jesus again, to come to Jesus. How can you carry glory if you've never experienced glory? How can you see renewal if you've not been renewed yourself? How can you bring renaissance if you're not being formed and reborn and shaped by the presence of the Creator? You know, you could probably go quite far in your own gifting. You are made in the image of God. You could have a good run for 60 or 70 years and hey, you would do amazing stuff. You have it in your DNA. You can perform, you can persuade. We could probably pull something off. And I believe there are so many of us in this room, you have the gifting, but it's not gonna be enough. It might be wildly successful. Here's another danger. What happens if you do become brilliant? Like what happens if you become the best at whatever it is you do? in the world. What happens when you start to shine and see success? But ultimately, if it's built on your glory, it's not gonna last. It's built on sand. 
And this has been the story of so many creatives. You know, if you were to go through the pop charts today and you would look at artists and their genesis, look at the history of popular music the last 100 years, you will find over and over and over again artists who began their story singing in a church choir, called into the presence of God, beginning their ministry in the house of God. And then along the way, they didn't realize they had to stay with Jesus on the mountain in order that their mission might have meaning. I want to encourage you today, whether it's failure or success, it's got to be rooted in the presence of God. Thank you, enthusiastic clapper at the back. (laughs) You know, I love Peter in this story. He's up the mountaintop. And he does what like some of us would do. There's like two types of people in church. There's those who will not leave if it's kicking off. And there are those who are like, hey, it's kicking off, but I, you know, I've got better places to be. Peter is like, I am staying here. We're going to build shelters. We're going to build booths. You know, he's like, I'm caught up in your presence. I just want to build a booth here on the mountaintop. He's like, oh, we're not going anywhere. I just want to sit here at your feet. Can we just stay here forever? You know, last night was like that. I was like, I could stay in a room where God is on the move and has a steering wheel forever. It never gets boring. And one day we will. We'll be in heaven and time will disappear. We'll be surrounding the throne, every tribe and tongue, every nation, identity, race, sitting at the feet of Jesus, casting our crowns down in his presence. But rather annoyingly, Jesus doesn't stay there. He's like, hey, no, we're not building shelters today. We may be caught up in my presence, but we're going on a road trip. And he comes down the mountain and he walks into the culture. Imagine what that must have looked like. Jesus transfigured on a mountaintop. Like when Moses came face to face with God, he was glowing. For so long they had to put a veil over his face because it was such a thing. They were like, we can't even look at him. Imagine what Peter, James and John must have been like. They walked down the mountain into this bun fight that's going on. And with Jesus, who's just been transfigured, his, his hair like wool, his eyes like fire, blazing wider than anything that's ever been seen on the earth. They're like, wow. I imagine they came down that like looking like shell-shocked like glowing with the presence of God, infused every atom with the glory of God. And they walk into the culture and everybody is like, what has just happened? People see it a mile away. Notice what happens, this is progression. And I believe this is really important for us as people who are thinking about innovation and creativity and serving God in the arts or serving God in leadership or serving God in business or innovation or wherever you find yourself. Notice the progression that happens. They come down the mountain with Jesus. First thing that happens is all the people see Jesus. I mean, he would have been glowing and it's not some of the people see Jesus it's all I looked up the word in the original Greek in the Hebrew and the Aramaic and the word all means all (laughs) there's no sacred or secular there's no in or out 
There's no Sunday morning people and Friday night people. You know what I mean? There's not that WhatsApp group and this WhatsApp group. There's not your like friends and family on Instagram stories and your public profile on Instagram stories. There's not the art I do for the secular world and the stuff I keep for Sundays. It says all. Look it up, all. All the people, what do they do? They see Jesus. Mark 9, 15, as soon as all the people saw Jesus. Renaissance happens in a culture when people carrying the presence of Jesus, in fact, walking with Jesus, not even like on you. It's not down to you to be some super vessel for the power of God. Just walk with him where he's going. When you walk into the casting, you walk into the studio, you walk into the board meeting, you walk into the job interview, you walk into that difficult conversation at work, walk in there with Jesus. Spend time with him up the mountaintops and then walk into the meeting with him with you. And all the people see Jesus. You see, you and I are not meant for the mountaintop. We are meant for the marketplace. Sure, we need to spend time up there, but it's down in the valley among the arguments and the difficult conversations when God is most on the move. And when you spend time with Jesus, it rubs off. You know, in the book of Acts, they noted to the disciples that they had been with Jesus. You know, it makes a difference when EJ sits here talking about spending time with Jesus and reading his Bible each morning. You know, you heard him talk about when he goes into a conversation with somebody. What is it he said? We want you to move from being an employee to a customer. (laughs) I love that. But I'm like, I'd feel good getting fired by EJ. Because he's been with Jesus that morning. Makes it different. Build your life on the solid rock of spending time in the presence of God. Find your two or three friends. Find your Peter, James, and John that you can go up the mountains with. Find the secret place where you can worship. Find the songs that make you cry and put them on repeat. Find the verses that God is speaking to you through in the Bible and highlight them and circle them and come back to them. Spend time in the presence of Jesus and what's going to happen is people are going to start to see Him and they're not going to see you so much. They're going to counter the creator. Second thing that happens next, it's fascinating. All the people see Jesus. And then it says this phrase, they were overwhelmed with wonder. Wow. Isn't that what we long for? That a world would become overwhelmed with wonder again. We live in a wonder drought. The world is longing for wonder. The writer G.K. Chesterton talks about how deep within everyone there is this longing for wonder. And the job of the artist, and by that I mean anybody who's doing anything new, whether you're raising kids or you're starting a business, you're an artist, you're a creator. The job of the artist, G.K. Chesterton says this, is to dig deep within their creativity and the, the human soul for what he calls the sunrise of wonder. Your birthright as someone who knows the one who is there at the genesis of the sun itself is to be someone who connects people with the one who made wonder. And when we meet with Jesus, the byproduct of that meeting with Jesus is we are hotlining, we're direct lining, we're mainlining the source of wonder into our everyday experience. In your own strength, you can be quite good, no doubt about it. You can write great talks, you can write great music, you can write a good book, you can encourage others, you can have good ideas. 
But when you tap into the source of wonder himself, wow, they were overwhelmed with wonder. I mean, not just like a little bit of wonder, not like mildly impressed. Or they, they changed their perspective on Jesus. It doesn't say that. It's like they were overwhelmed to the point at which they wouldn't have been able to do anything else but wonder at Jesus. You know, we long for a renaissance in our generation that is birthed from wonder, encountering Jesus. The theologian Walter Brueggemann talks about this, the need for what he called the prophetic imagination. We meet Jesus, we become overwhelmed with wonder. And that's what the world needs right now. There's an urgency about this call on you that you need to urgently prioritize meeting with Jesus so that you might become overwhelmed with wonder again. I mean, listen to the culture today. Think about what have been the most significant cultural moves in the world in the last year. What are the great works of art that we're producing? What will this moment in history be remembered for? The Barbie movie. <laughs> Do they have the Barbie movie in Peru? Have you seen it? Yes, some of, <laughs> some of you have and some of you haven't. A house divided, yeah, okay. I've been to see the Barbie movie three times because I have, I have children. Don't ask me why. They're actually quite cool, my kids, but they love the Barbie movie. Anyhow, I'm sitting through the Barbie movie, which actually is great. I'm sitting there having a lot of fun, and then I get to this moment, which you'll know, it's not a plot spoiler, the kind of premise of the whole thing is Barbie is like, what happens when we die? And everybody's like, Barbie just mentioned death and meaning and purpose, and it's super awkward. And everyone's like, we don't know how to compute this. And the whole movie kind of builds up to the kind of reveal, the kind of the third act of the movie is when Barbie answers that question for herself. And the way she answers it is she comes into the presence of her creator. And you remember the scene, if you've seen it, I'm not spoiling anything here. She goes in to meet the person who imagined and invented Barbie. And she has this conversation with her creator. And Barbie is talking to her. And Barbie says this thing that cuts to the core of the human condition. And I believe actually cuts to the calling of this generation in history. When AI is going to outthink you, when there are technologies that are going to outpace you, where there's medicine that's going to make you live longer. The question is, why are we here? Why are we cheating death? What is our purpose in life? Why are we doing what we're called to do? And the answer is vocalized by Barbie in this one phrase. She says this, I want to be part of the people who do the imagining. I want to be part of the people who imagine. That's the heart cry of a generation. And the answer is to meet the God who overwhelms with wonder. We have the unfair advantage in this moment in history as creatives who know the Creator. You know the headland, the source of wonder. So it's time we stop trying to impress people with our reflected glory because that's no different from the culture around us. It's time that we try to stop echoing Eden and not being distinctive Instead, it's time that we learn to step aside in our gifting and allow God to come 
and walk into the culture. God pours out his spirit the first time on a human being, it's on Bezalel. Before the priest, the priest was all standing around and the spirit comes and it's like on the worship guy, on the creative at the back of church who's not paying attention, he's sketching or he's bored because they got ADHD and it's like, it's just like, I can't handle a 45 minute talk. God is like, go get the guy at the back, go get the weird one. Yep, you, yep, with the tattoos and the piercings. Not you, sorry, I'm not looking at you. (laughs) And God pours his spirit on this person, Bezalel. And then all the way through the calling of creativity in the Bible, it is a holy calling. It's a priestly calling. It's like carrying the Ark of the Covenant. It's not yours to manipulate or to manufacture. It is holy unto the Lord. We are set apart so that we might carry the Creator into the world. And then look what happens next. They run to greet Jesus. Verse 15 continues. When all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder. And what happens is they ran to greet him. And again, notice that it's they, everybody, the culture. They run to greet Jesus, overwhelmed with wonder. Before there is a spiritual revival in our generation, we need to learn to be a they, not a me. We need to do stuff together. We need to learn to walk in community with each other because the world is incredibly siloed and divided. It'll keep finding different categories to divide you, but the body of Christ in this moment is called to work together to bring a renaissance. So they, the whole crowd, come. We can't do it on our own, but when God calls us to interdependence, not independence, we see renaissances take place. Henry Nguyen writes this, talks about the idea of creative interdependence. You have an idea, it's wonderful, you're talented, that's great, that's brilliant. But if you work with someone next to you who can pray with you and take you up the mountain when you're tired and encourage you and cheer you on, you will magnify an impact, the impact of your life by, uh, 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 like exponentially. Like you'll have so much more of an impact if you do it together. Interdependence, not independence. And they run to greet him. Notice the hunger. The culture we are living in now is longing to meet with God. The data coming out, again, David Kinnaman shared this, this stunning data among young people now, post-pandemic, all the decline of the church is a myth. The church is just being reformed right now. Among young people, 60% of young people in the US right now would, would willingly explore faith if they found a place they could express that in a safe way. They'd run into the arms of Jesus because they're longing for the real thing, not religion. They're longing for the creator, not the created. They're longing for the meaning, not the manipulation, for the actual encounter with the presence of God, not your programs and and, and all the stuff that we try and throw at people. We need to learn to get out of the way and let the the young come running into the presence of Jesus. Be overwhelmed with wonder again. So that's kind of the vision here. All we're trying to do with this stuff And please take this away and I'd love to encourage you to come chat more later. But what we're praying for is a renaissance that is birthed from the presence of Jesus. Overwhelmed with wonder that runs to greet him. So let me encourage you today. That's been our story as a team. And like we stand here today more convinced than ever that this is 
heart and soul what we want to bet the farm on. Like we are all in as a church to serve our creative community in East London. Could I encourage you to think about whether you might do the same with your creative community, wherever you're from? Like, could we see a renaissance? Could we collaborate on raising up and encouraging leaders in this moment, not with programs or platforms, but with the presence of Jesus? And if we can work together to do that, that would be amazing. But I want to land with this. Like, what is it that God might be doing in you today? Like, where, he, where might he be calling you right now to come and lay down your agenda, to surrender again your plans at the foot of his cross? Where might he be calling you to kind of let go of some stuff that may be vanity or ego or flesh so that you might make space for Jesus to walk with you down this mountain? What is it that the Holy Spirit would say, hey, listen, there's dust on this part of your mirror. We need to wipe that off. Because God has a profound calling on your life, that I'm sure. You're not here by accident. And I want to encourage you as we pray now, that you would meet Jesus, you'd see him in a fresh way, and that you'd allow God to overwhelm you with wonder, so that, dot, 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 so that, fill in the blank. When we get to heaven, we'll look back, say, do you remember Renaissance in London, one of the early ones, 2023, we got together, and that person from Washington, D.C., they prayed for me down the front. I was thinking about doing this thing. I just laid it down, and I thought it was going to die. I never could see it again. That seed fell into the ground, and look what happened. It's way better than I ever imagined it was going to be. What is it God might be calling you to do today? So why don't we stand together, and we're just going to invite the Holy Spirit to come. And we've got lots of time. There's nothing else happening until lunch in half an hour, and we want to make space in this moment for every single one of us to have a chance to see Jesus, be overwhelmed with wonder, and meet with him in a fresh way today. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of the Renaissance Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, follow us on Instagram at renaissance.movement and online at renaissancemovement.org where you'll find out loads of ways to get involved come to events around the world, and above all, make sure you connect in with your local church and encourage that every church community will become a cathedral of creativity. Know that we're praying for you, we're cheering you on, and don't forget to check back for more great content in the weeks ahead. God bless you.